Welcome to Emergo Radio, a place where a brain-first lifestyle matters, a place of impact and inspiration, a place where your hosts, Dave Kenny and Susan Kenny, coach you to rise above. Hi, my name is Dave Kenny here at Emergo Radio, where we work to help you rise above in your life. I'm also the co-founder and executive director of Emergo Recovery, a residential wellness and recovery program in Canada. I've had the pleasure and opportunity of working with a lot of families and parents throughout my 30-year career in the field of education and wellness. And it's been a unique pleasure to be able to help thousands of families and parents in creating strategies and better lifestyle skills. And today I wanted to talk with everybody about the role of parenting and families and helping young children, teenage children, even young adults and mature adults and how do parents influence children at various age groups because fundamentally it's actually the same thing but execution wise one could understand from a teenager to a mature adult it may be a little bit different but fundamentally things don't change and I want to help those parents out there um, who are struggling and, and, and see their children struggling and they're just not responding and how do we get them the best help. So before we jump into all of that, it's really critical that we all start from the same basis. And when I talk to the families and I coach the parents of their loved ones, of their daughters and sons, the first thing we've got to do is come to a general agreement or understanding of the role of a parent. And in our society today, I, I know that it's been muddled and it's been changed and it's, it's very confusing. There's a lot of things coming at us. And, and when that, when our role becomes very confused, uh, we can, we can co-parent from very different directions and it's confusing to a child of any age. And the result can be a, a real negative one within the family dynamic. So the first thing is understanding these two key phrases, dependence and independence. You think it's simple, but it's a foundation piece because as parents, when we're all parents, when we first start into this, uh, what's born as our child is a, is a highly dependent child and it needs us for everything. And our goal is, as a parent, and this is a natural law or a natural order, the ultimate goal of parenting is to take someone who is in a dependent state and create independence. So think of the natural animal kingdom. Uh, when a baby cub is born, the mother protects the cub, feeds the cub, nourishes the cub. When a baby eagle is born, the same thing. But there is a point in time where that animal has to create its own independence and then be able to live independently on its own. And it is a natural law or a natural order. There's also in, in our, our societal family groups a family hierarchy. At least there should be a family hierarchy. And within that structure, and the more structure we have in a family, the more safety and security our children have, again, at any age group. And it's really important that we understand that a family is a family hierarchy. So the, the mom and dad at the top of that group, not as equals. Parents often get confused because they want to be liked. They want to be friends. They want to be the cool mom, the cool dad. And that breaks down this family hierarchy. So within this sense of creating dependence to independence, first of all, the parent has to lead this. 
you must lead the change. And it is really critical, especially when we've got um, our, our children of any age who are struggling, teenage daughter who's struggling right now. It's a scary time of life, adolescence. And for both boys and girls and with social media now and, and the amount of social influence usually more negative than positive, it's a real scary time. And, and having consistency and safety at home is absolute. it's just omnipotent. It is absolutely critical. So the role of that is you must provide love, a connection to family, a sense of belonging. It is very critical. And we know my, my PhD is in the world of neuroscience and psychology and 30 plus years in the field of education. And we do know that a brain actually grows in size and increases in a positive way in functionality with a sense of connection to family. So love and connection. But be careful. I didn't say no boundaries. I said love and connection, and there's all sorts of different ways to show love and attention. Another key area for parents is that you must provide is a sense of safety, whether that's physical environment. Think of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and the base of that is physiological, and that includes safety, sleep, food, emotional safety, physical safety, safety within the family unit, safety outside of the family unit, and that's really important that a child has that understanding and, and is grounded in that. And it, from that will come greater strength within the child. Boundaries and consequences. Here's a big one. Boundaries and consequences. And when I say this, when coaching with families, I get a lot of pushback on the word consequences. But but again, there is a natural order here. There is a consequence if I don't get out of bed for three days. You can't deny this. There is a consequence if I eat ice cream or eat donuts all day, every day for a week. There is a natural consequence if I get up and take care of my hygiene and go to the gym. If I go to the gym regularly for a month, there is a consequence. It's a positive one. So a consequence has this negative connotation, but actually it's the result of an action or a non-action. And oftentimes we want to protect our parents, want to protect their children from consequences, especially when they're younger, but also older and cover up for things, whether that's missed homework assignments or whether that's they haven't cleaned their room, whatever. Maybe it's a, an issue with the law and want to come to their rescue and cover up a natural consequence. But boundaries are also a part of this. And parents, a boundary is um, absolutely essential. And in setting a boundary, what we're talking about is just clearly defining what's okay and what's not okay. And that if you use that from a place of empathy, love, and compassion, and when you, when you look at things like what's okay and you support those and what's not okay, and you don't support those, and you create a family structure around that. Now, granted, that's going to change what that looks like from age 10 to 20 to 30 to 40, but it's still the same principle. So having clear and defined boundaries are about a long-term solution. Again, you're creating more independence and less dependence. And ultimately, your role as a parent is to be a teacher or a coach. I want you to think about those concepts. A teacher educates and shares information, but the student, or in this case your child, has to do the work. 
The teacher will not do it for them. A coach, they go on a soccer field. The coach will instruct, teach, show, mentor, but ultimately, even in practice, let alone in a game, that player, child in this case, has to be the one that's doing it. And the coach's job then is to observe, to see, and offer new solutions, not necessarily tell them. So as a parent, if you were a teller, if you're a fixer or a rescuer, you know, Billy would be, Sally would be so much better if they would just do what I say. You're a teller. And that takes you out of this role of creating an independent person. You're actually creating more dependent. And the more you tell somebody, the more you tell an adult child, a young adult child, you tell them what they should do, tell them what job they should do, tell them what time they should go to bed or get up, you're creating more dependence because the message behind that is they can't manage that. So instead of focusing on telling them about a bedtime structure or routine, create a boundary. What's not okay is you stay up till three in the morning. What's okay is you go to bed by midnight. And then there needs to be a consequence with that. And now it's their choice. Yes, you have to be very firm and you're clear in what your boundary is and your consequences. And that's okay. It actually creates a more independent, resilient child. But if you're a fixer and a rescuer, what is behind that is they can't do it. They don't have the capacity. And that's a very scary place because you are going to create more dependent. So resilience is a great word. I just introduced that. Resilience is ultimately your child's ability to handle adversity. Are they going to quit things or are they going to finish it? And just finish it to the best of their ability. Do your best. And the four agreements, it's one of the four agreements. Great book, by the way. And I encourage parents to read that because there's some great concepts in that. But one of, the, one of the agreements of the four agreements is to just do your best every day. But it is not about quitting. It is about finishing and following through. So if you join a sports club or if you join a, a music program or an arts program, there needs to be a start period and an end period. And we're going we're gonna to make that commitment regardless of what happens. And there is a tremendous lesson in life regarding the ability to complete or finish things, including homework assignments, jobs. If you're going to start a job, you're going to complete the job. What's not okay is you just quit and not notify your employer. And then what comes with that? If the child is living with you or not living with you, and what comes with that? What's the consequence of that? So we've got some key concepts of love, safety, boundaries and consequences, a parent being a teacher or a coach. And I want you to think of your favorite teacher and your favorite coach. They were probably compassionate and loving and you had very firm boundaries. You knew them. But they they let you do the work and you own the pride in that and not a teller, fixer, rescuer. So Adlerian psychology, it's a great study of human behavior. And Adlerian psychology talks about the children must feel connected or they must feel significance within a family dynamic. So we all know about, you know, making sure that we parent from a place of equality amongst our children, but it is also important that they feel connected, 
or feel significance. And when a child does not feel that connection or significance, we've all talked about this, they're going to act out and get attention. And Adlerian psychology goes on to say that they'll seek attention through bad behaviors. There'll be then a a possibly a power struggle, which is arguments and defiance. It's a power struggle. And the third step in the development of a child who doesn't feel connected or significant is revenge seeking or an attempt to hurt or punish a parent. And sometimes that's directly. Sometimes that's by not talking. Sometimes that's by disappearing. Sometimes that's by threat, by threat of suicide, self-harm. You'd just be better off if I was gone from this world. That's a revenge statement, and that's designed to punish the parent, and that's designed to maintain power in the relationship. And then despair is the fourth part of this, and a child that doesn't feel connected, doesn't feel significant in a family unit, can develop a great sense of despair, which leads to depression, anxiety, self-harm, and even suicidal ideation and attempts. So it's really important about that love and safety that uh, we've talked about earlier, that they feel that significance within the family. So what I've not talked about from a parental point of view, your job is not to make sure your child is happy. And that's a terrible misstep right now in our society when talking to parents. They may not be happy. So when you think about boundaries and consequences, they may not be happy. Your job isn't to make them happy. Your job is to take them from a state of dependence to independence. It's a big thing. And it's also about who are you as a mom, as a dad? Who are you? Individually, you have to have your own life. And if your identity is you're a mom first... I'm going to share with you, we've got to take a look inwards to ourselves, our own personal journey, to find who we are. Your role as a parent is maybe the most critical, biggest role of your life next to you taking care of yourself. So your role is not to make the child happy because that's a short-term result. Um, you think about somebody asking for ice cream before dinner, you, you can make them happy by saying yes, so they're happy in the short term, but the long term, their nutrition suffers and their body suffers. We'll take that out further to when they're, you know, 20 years of age and asking for the car and you know that they've done some silly things the last time they had the car and you can make them happy and be the cool parent and say, okay, yeah, or you can have a consequence to the last time and say, no. And teach them a long-term goal of independence versus a short-term relief where they're happy for the immediate next few minutes. By the way, when when we work and live in a short-term gratification, it really doesn't work out. So it's changing the short-term immediate gratification, the cool parenting, oh, Billy's happy, Sally's happy, to a place of focusing on how can I teach more independence and responsibility? Another great big word. So there is an Indian story about two wolves. Most of us have probably heard it, but I want to revisit it, and I'll just summarize it very quickly. But the story goes where there's a grandson, and he's meeting with his grandfather and says that he's really struggling inside. And the grandfather says, yes, we all are. We have, we have a fight inside. 
What do you mean, Granddad? Granddad answers is that we all have a fight in, a, in us, and we have these two wolves. And one wolf is anger, rage, greed, jealousy, sadness. And the other wolf is joy, gratitude, happiness, fulfillment, hard work, honesty, integrity. And these two wolves are at battle all the time inside all of us. Grandson says, well, if they're fighting in a, in a war with each other, who wins? And of course, the answer is the one that you feed. Another way of looking at that is if a child is acting out to get your attention and you constantly give them attention when they act out, you are feeding that wolf. So an, a young adult who is acting out and getting into some difficulty and degree of challenge and you pour your emotions and your energy for the next two or three days into solving this, what wolf are you feeding? And contrary to that, when you have a young adult child who seems to be doing relatively really well in life and following a plan that they've created, are you disappearing from them or are you giving them attention there? Again, remember that, that thing about connection and significance. If you're not going to give them that attention there in a positive context, typically a child will find it in a negative way. So if they're acting out, they've been kicked out of an apartment and they, you know, you've rented an apartment or maybe they've rented it on themselves and they've been kicked out of the apartment. Which wolf do you want to feed? Do you want to send them the message that they can't figure this out? Or do you want to let them work through the consequences of that? And, and then what will happen is the next time they have a place to live, maybe their gratitude and gratefulness and appreciation of the current living will be greater than it has been. So there's an interesting concept, great book, David Emerald. I encourage you to look at ordering this. David Emerald wrote a book called The Power of Ted. No, it's not about Ted speaking. Ted is the empowerment dynamic. It, it presents some very easy to grasp concepts that we've all talked about and known. And, and from a parenting point of view, especially when children of any age, young adults, mature adults, 40-year-old children who are struggling in life, asks us to identify our role as much as the person, the, or the loved one. And so if you want to visualize it, an upside-down triangle, and so one of the three points is pointed down to the bottom, and at the bottom of the triangle is a victim. And we'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute. But to be a victim, you need a persecutor, a bad guy, or a bad thing. And then also to be a victim, you need somebody to be the rescuer. This triangle and this dynamic is a very dependent one. And again, the role of parenting is the opposite of this, but we have to identify this for a minute. If somebody is a victim, they must have somebody to blame or something to blame. Whether that was a storm, a power outage, a parent, typically it is. So let's say it's a dad and he's the bad guy because he won't give me the money. And maybe the rescuer is mom comes along and slides a hundred bucks under the table and and make sure that it's taken care of or just pays the cell phone bill. And so when that happens, you can see that this triangle actually creates a split 
There's no unification of parenting. It, there's a, and this happens a lot in divorce-separated situations. And whether you're divorced, even if you are divorced or separated as parents, that means your marriage is separated, not your responsibility to parent. And it becomes quite easy in many cases to blame somebody else and that that's the bad person creates, you're creating a rescuer role, which ultimately creates a victim for a child of any age again. So if we don't want our child to be a victim and a victim is somebody who's lacks, they lack the ability to make empowered choices in their life, but ultimately out of those three roles, the victim controls the relationship. The victim controls the family dynamic. So the victim, when they act out, the rescuer comes running and drops everything. So one of one of our families that we worked with, I can remember a young adult male, and uh, after he's with us for a while, and uh, I was working with coaching with the mom, and she said, but my job's really suffering because I have to leave every day. What do you mean you have to leave every day? She said, well, because I get an urgent phone call from him. Why? And she says, well, because he's hungry. I said, well, wait a minute. He's 25 years of age. She says, yeah, but, but he's really hungry. And so she stops work, drives home. It was only about 10 minutes away. Drove home, would make him a panini sandwich. That was his favorite. And he would sit and eat the panini sandwich and then sometimes ask for a second one. And she would take care of that. She's rescuing him. She's creating more dependence. And then she was upset and, and concerned about losing her job, which was a natural consequence to her abandoning her responsibilities in life. And the persecutor in this situation was, I can't do it. I don't know how. So we all can see that this is a, it's a very simple example. And I, and I could get into very, very more complex examples, but how this can come to play and work and ultimately She's creating a dependent child. And my question to her was, who are you? If you're not rescuing your son all the time, who are you? And what happens on the day in this world, in this life, that you're not around to take care of him? Have you helped your son move into a state of independence and responsibility? So the opposite triangle to this, as taught by David Emerald in The, in the, the Power of Ted, the empowerment dynamic. The opposite is a triangle where the point now is flipped and it's at the top. And at the top is a creator or someone who is empowered. They create their life. They're empowered in their life. They're not a victim to circumstance. A great example is we all get in an accident. It's, it's happened. Most of us get into an accident. That's not something we want. It's not something we see coming. That's why it's called an accident. But it's how do we respond to that external stimuli will define whether I'm a victim or a creator. And that's a really important thing is, is bad things are going to happen and not so good things are going to happen. But how do I respond to that external stimuli? Do I say, oh, my God, my world's come to an end? Or do I go, my gosh, I'm so grateful. OK, I hurt my leg, but man, that could have been a lot worse. Or I have insurance and things are going to be fine. So a creator creates their life. They become empowered. But the other two corners of that triangle are a coach and a challenger. So a challenger could be an examination. A challenger could be a project at work. 
it could be an individual. But a coach, and I want to go back to our parenting that we talked about, as a teacher or a coach, it allows the person to do it. So I may provide instruction, I may, I may model something, I may show them how to, to, to do something, but the coach stops short of doing it. And it allows the creator to be empowered by doing it. This is an independent direction in life. And it's a very powerful way for us to begin to help people. So if you're a rescuer and you, and you see your child as a victim, the fastest way is not to say you must change. You can't be a victim anymore. It's not going to work. They've, they, they have been able to control the family and the family dynamic by being a victim. So just saying and telling them you need to change is not the way to approach this. It's about identifying your role. And if you are the rescuer and you stop rescuing, you become a coach and you step into that role this, it, by definition, there's no more victim. It may take them a while to get it, and there may be some bumpy roads, but again, your job isn't to make them happy and solve that. If you want my help with this, you can ask me, and I'll give you some suggestions, but you're going to have to do it. You're going to have to deal with the police, the court, the doctor, whoever that is. You're going to have to deal with your grandparents, your aunt, your uncle, your boss. I'm not going to do that. And welcome to being a coach. The moment you step into you as a parent, step into this kind of independent, empowered triangle, you will begin to move your victim child into an empowered creator role. And it's a wonderful place to parent from. So one of the other topics, too, is a concept taught by Carolyn Mace. And Carolyn Mace writes about this beautifully. It's called woundology. And woundology, in general, means that like attracts like. So if you, if you want to think about who do smokers hang out with? Smokers. Um, who do people who drink in excess hang out with? Other people who drink in excess. Who do people who smoke weed hang out with? People who like to smoke weed. Like attracts like. And... It gives an unspoken permission. So if you think about that, it gives an unspoken permission to act out in certain ways. But there are three real clues to a woundology or a victim. I'm going to go back to the TED teaching in a victim as well. I'm going to tie these two together. And there's three key areas. If you hear someone or yourself blaming justifying or complaining you've stepped into that role this this role of i'm a wounded person oh my god which is a victim if you're blaming or you hear your child blaming justifying or complaining it is the absolute opposite of being empowered it is a victim and our role from parents, again, let's go back into which wolf we're going to feed. Are we going to feed that wolf? Where is that attention-seeking going? And so to take help somebody move out of that role, is, I'm not going to get into that. I don't, I'm not going to participate in a conversation. So if you were due to be home at midnight, 
and it's two in the morning and you're justifying that you had to take so-and-so home and so-and-so home and you're blaming somebody else and then you start complaining about the rules. Okay. Is entertaining that and engaging in that conversation creates you're feeding that wolf versus the the boundary was by midnight. The reasons why you were late don't matter. So the consequence is you don't get the car for the next period of time. And it's an it's a real interesting and and shame free approach to parenting. There's less struggle. There's less fights. There's no power struggle here. There is zero power struggle. We're not debating it. This was the deal. And here's the consequence. And quite frankly, it is how the world works. And we've kind of forgotten about that. But the world works that way. Is there are boundaries and consequences. People have an, aff- an affair within a marriage. Eh, the consequence typically is not very good. Even if the marriage survives, it's not going to be a, a good outcome. So we know that there's boundaries and we know that there's consequences. If I show up for work, I don't know, 20 minutes late every day for a month. And I don't care what job it is. There's going to be a negative consequence. And if I show up for work 20 minutes early every day and I prepare myself in whatever way I need to, whether I get the right clothes on or whether I get my files ready, whatever that is. If I prepare myself, whether I'm working on an assembly line or a finance office, sales office, it doesn't matter. If I'm there 20 minutes early, the consequence is I'm going to perform better in my job. I'm going to have better relationships at my job. And the consequence is I'll typically do a lot better. In parenting, we lose that in parenting a lot of the times because we're worried about them being happy and present. And I want to tell them. It's not about telling them. When an adult child does not fulfill and crosses a boundary, you know the consequence is this. And if they don't, that's something you need to talk about. It also needs to be, to talk about that, it needs to be relevant. This is very important. The consequence needs to be relevant. So if if they're late and had the car, then it needs to be about what you do with the car in the future moving forward. Not about their computer. That's not relevant. It needs to be relevant to the situation and it needs to be kind of administered or overseen by the person who has been offended. So if it's a mom that's been offended, deal with it. Don't pass the buck to dad. Dad, same thing. And you need to be consistent and you need to be fair. So if you've created a boundary, you don't, you don't get to change it after the fact. Whether that's softer or more challenging, that's not fair. And you're going to create some lack of safety within the family by doing that. So what do we do? And I get this question a lot. Dave, what do we do when our son, our daughter is struggling in life and they're not doing well? You know, I've got a couple blogs written on this and failure to launch, but it can be bigger than that. And I, I do get the honor of working with a lot of families in, in crisis. And although the crisis is a very emotional period of time, This, again, it goes to the adult child's ability to make a choice and decision, not telling them. If you tell them what to do or where to go, they must go see a professional. You have to go do this or else. 
the threat doesn't work and telling them to do it doesn't work. So it, it really is, though, when it gets to a state of crisis, it is about a family intervention. In some people, the, you may have gone, ooh, an intervention. Hey, please un- understand it is nothing like what, what I'm proposing is nothing like what you see on TV for ratings. So let's define what an intervention is first of all. We've gotta, we have to, again, create some common ground here. But an intervention is defined as an act or a process of intervening. So if you see something negative and to get in the middle of that and try and create a new path, you're intervening in that. Okay, that's an intervention. To go further, an action taken to improve a situation, or especially in the case of a medical disorder, an action taken to improve a situation. So all an intervention is, is you taking an action. It is not about a threat. It is not about yelling. And actually, we teach this. A family intervention is a gift. Now, again, you must lead this. And typically, when families are at a state of crisis, that victim triangle has been going on for quite a while. The lack of a clear family hierarchy has been happening for a while. And there's a, there's a rescue or a persecutor and a victim. And right now, we, we all know that the direction that we've been heading is negative and going to be severe, possibly, in our life. Please don't wait till somebody hits rock bottom. It's a silly concept, waiting till somebody hits rock bottom. Because the further down somebody goes, eh, you've got longer and further to go to get up. And also, sometimes when you hit rock bottom, there are serious lifelong consequences. Arrest records means you can't travel. That's a big deal especially in our world today where travel and communication is so important. Physical harm, you know, an accident, something's happened, drinking and driving. Well, we waited for them to hit rock bottom. Please don't. If you see a problem, it is incumbent upon you as a parent to intervene, that you take an action to improve a situation. So I empower you to talk about that and think about that now versus waiting until all the wheels fall off. And that's usually when I end up having to get involved. And I really encourage families to um, do your best to intervene way before that. And if you position that as a gift, a loving, caring gift, it's a powerful gift and maybe the biggest gift that you ever give your son or daughter but it's important if somebody is making poor life choices or bad life choices that you identify their ability to make good life choices is probably impaired. And we can get into the neuroscience of that and the brain health issues and brain health reasons for that. But if you see that they have an inability to make good life choices, hanging out with the bad people, doing the wrong things, isolating in their room for days or weeks on end, whatever that case may be. If you see those, the assumption that they're going to make a good life choice, that doesn't make any sense or else they would be making good life choices. So it is incumbent upon you to limit things to options. Work with your family, work with your, the mother or the father and together, if, if possible, when possible, create and sign off, kind of make a decision as to option A, this is the best solution for our son or our daughter 
And if they choose option A, we are all in. Emotional support, financial support, whatever that is, that you are all in. You're not going to do it for them, but you're going to support them. And option B is their choice. And they're all out. You cannot support option B. It is option A, the best choice. And option B is not. And in case of, it may be seeing professional help, it may be going to a residential program, it, it may, may include getting medical attention. And if they choose not to, you're going to have to let go and give them that. But that must come with some consequences. And your son or daughter, in a non-confrontational way, this is our gift. We're not here to debate things. And it also must be immediate or actionable. So to sit down and say to somebody who's been isolating in their room for months, hasn't gone to school, can't keep a job for months or years in many cases when I get involved. But if that's the case, this isn't about blaming them why or who's done it and who's created it in the family. That is not the time to begin to go there. This is about a solution and a gift. And if you see a family member struggling in isolation or you see a family member struggling with a substance and you see that the, their life is falling apart, relationships are falling apart. It's about you creating a solution, not blame. And when you create option A, it is a, it is a non-emotional conversation. And they'll want to bring emotion to it. They'll want to potentially throw a few grenades at you and blow this up. But it's simply this. This is the solution. Here's what we've seen. Your mother and I, your father and I have seen this. You've been isolated in your room. And I know this isn't you. And I know you need some help. And we really want to help you. And so we've created this solution. And you lay it out. And with this solution, we are all in. And I, we know that you want to go to school after. You want to go to work after. You want to live in some place after that. And we'll work to support you. But you've, you have got to make this solution, take the action, follow solution A, and you must take the action of that. And if you choose not to accept our gift today, then you can choose option B. But option B is we're not going to support you anymore. And you must step out of the role of a rescuer. If you are going to continue to rescue them the ability for them to make this good life choice. We already talked about it is impaired. They're not going to. So this has got to go a step further in the planning process in a family intervention. You're going to have to engage family and close some doors and ask people in private for help. That if our daughter phones you and her son phones you, please do not rescue them. We are working to help create them and in a long-term independence. And it's critical that you get uh, families and others to support you in that but if your son or daughter chooses to go to another family or another friend again that's option b you've got to let go you cannot step into that and support that or the word enable them so it should be actionable and it should be immediate the other thing too is not to involve siblings this is your role as a parent is very different than involving siblings 
So just be aware of, of, of attaching the responsibility onto a sibling, and it can create some, some turmoil within the family unit as well. You as parents, this is your role. Remember the hierarchy of a family and moving people from a state of dependence to independence. Maybe they're dependent on alcohol. Maybe they're dependent on weed. Maybe they're dependent on the attention of isolating. Love, safety, boundaries and consequences. Become a teacher and a coach, allowing them to do it. The opposite is a teller or a fixer. Create more resilience. Their ability to finish, not quit, and finish things. And this, again, is not about your child being happy with your decisions. That's not your job as a parent. Your job as a parent is to help your loved one live a life of independence. And by the way, there's great freedom when people have independence from a government, independence from family, there is tremendous freedom. I can choose my job. I can choose my city that I live in. I can choose my house. I can choose my vacation. I can choose what movie or restaurant I go to. And the less independence or the more dependence I have, I lose choice. And that ultimately is what we want as parents, is our children as they grow to have greater freedom in this world. It is a natural law or a natural order that when somebody or something is born, they are highly dependent on the parents and to help them grow into the state of independence and freedom is ultimately our task. Remember the idea of which wolf are you feeding? Helping your son or daughter move from a state of being a victim to a creator in their life. And you do that by you changing your role. If you're a rescuer, become a coach. If you hear them blaming, justifying, or complaining, there's your clue. Oops, I'm, if I'm saying it, I'm being a victim. And if you hear yourself saying it, you're being a victim. So step out of those roles that you have portrayed and you, and you have brought into the family unit and create some new learning for yourself in a new role. And you'd be amazed at the growth and the change. So my name is Dave Kenny here with Emergle Radio. And it's been an absolute honor to share with you some of our parenting tips and helping your, your son and your daughter and your family rise above. And that's one way we would like to end every show is also to talk about something that I commit to, to rise above. And it is about leading change. The whole theme of this podcast today has been about parents leading the change and so i'm going to do that as well and i'm going to lead the change today through more movement and i make a commitment to that for my own personal health and well-being and that's my tip today and where i'm going to go with rising above so again my name is dave kenny you can find us at emergoradio.com it's been an absolute pleasure and thanks for hanging out with me gratitude we thank you for joining us on emergo radio a place where you rise above with your hosts dave kenny and susan kenny remember to subscribe on apple podcasts or wherever you like to listen and learn want more you can reach us at emergoradio.com that's e-m-e-r-g-o radio.com
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.